Well, it is good to see you this morning, and today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 5. We're skipping a chapter, and it's not that chapter 4 is unimportant, but I do feel like chapter 5 is, is more beneficial for our time, for our, 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 this moment in history, this moment for us as Christians. I think it speaks to us a lot more. Chapter 4 is great. If you're not familiar with chapter 4, go home and read it. It's a great chapter, a lot of things to benefit from. Um, and I've said this over and over again, you know, as we've read in the book of Daniel, I have purposefully skipped uh, probably a lot of the meat and potatoes of the chapters that we've been reading and focused on some other things, some different aspects of it. One reason is because if you've been saved and you've been in the church your whole life, you're probably pretty familiar with the book of Daniel. It's a lot of people's favorites. A lot of people like to preach from it. There's some great stories. The other reason is because um, I think it's important that we are curious, that we don't get everything handed to us, that, that um, some things are purposefully left out so that when you go home today, hopefully you're like, hey, I want to know more about that. I want to read more about that. And you go home and you do that and you search for yourself. And uh, we can look at this from different aspects. So as we begin chapter five this morning and we talk about some small sections of it, I want to go through this timeline with you because when we look at Scripture, a lot of times we miss this. We miss the amount of time that takes place during Scripture. We miss situations. We miss circumstances. We miss the setting and the context. And if you were at Bible study on Wednesday night... We're studying in 1 Corinthians. We talked a lot about the context of Scripture and how important that is and how we apply it to our lives. Because if we don't understand the context, then we can apply Scripture in improper ways, in ways that they weren't, it wasn't intended to be applied. And so my desire for you this morning is, is that we take Scripture, we apply it appropriately the way that God would have us to, that we would grow that we would desire to know him more. And so I want to go through this timeline with you because this is super important. And I think a lot of times we miss this in the book of Daniel. So when Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are taken into captivity from Judah, this is 605 BC. And this is going to be on the screen. Um, if you're taking notes and you want to have this, and this goes faster than you can take notes, catch up with me. I'll email you this. We'll make sure that you get this. It'll be on um, Facebook, YouTube, and it'll be on the church website that you can access this video. But 605 BC, they're taken into captivity and they're brought into Nebuchadnezzar's court. That's where we get chapter one when Timmy, Pastor Timmy preached the message about them being faithful, obeying God's laws by not eating the foods that they weren't supposed to and being faithful to that. Now, they spend three years in Nebuchadnezzar's court. So in the, in the course of chapter 1, three years pass from the beginning of chapter 1 to the end of chapter 1. And in 602 BC, Daniel and his friends complete their three years of learning. And that's also when chapter 2 begins and Daniel interprets the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. You remember he has this dream and he says you got to tell me what the dream is and then tell me what it means. I'm not telling you what the dream was. And Daniel was the only one who was able to do that. He went and asked for more time so that he could pray, and God revealed it to him in prayer that same night. That's within the first three years, okay? So you have to remember, a lot of times we read Scripture, we say, oh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, it all happens like, boom, right there together. But even from chapter, the beginning of chapter 1 to the end of chapter 1, three years pass, 
And then chapter 2 kind of comes in on the cusp of that three-year period. Now, from chapter 2 to chapter 3, 16 years pass. So Daniel interprets the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And you think, okay, how could Nebuchadnezzar forget about God and build this golden statue and order everyone to worship it? Well, you, you don't realize, like they don't, the author doesn't tell you, 16 years later, you know, Nebuchadnezzar builds a gold statue. But in the course of 16 years, a lot changes, right? You ever seen a 16-year-old? They look a lot different than what they did the day they was born, don't they? You ever seen a 32-year-old? They look a lot different than a 16-year-old. We could keep going with that analogy, but you get the point. 16 years is a long time. There's a lot of things that happened 16 years ago that most of us don't remember. And there might be some things that someone might mention that might say, oh yeah, I remember that, but you never would have thought about it if they hadn't mentioned it. It was funny, we were sitting around and And Greg's wife, Heidi, was talking about we were on a mission trip and this whole gallon of milk spilt in the back of the van when we were on a mission trip in Puerto Rico. And it's like 97 degrees with 100% humidity. I mean, it feels good in Puerto Rico. And um, so the milk spills and it spoils in the back of the van and it smells terrible. And I had totally forgotten about that. And whenever she said that, I was like, I could taste the smell in my mouth. Like whenever she, I was like, Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's one of those things you try to block out in your mind. But 16 years passes, and we forget about a lot of things. And you say, well, how can Nebuchadnezzar forget about God? How could he do that? 16 years has gone by. And you miss the point from chapter 2 to chapter 3 of what's Daniel doing in those 16 years? What's, what's happening? We don't get that information, all right? Well, let's, let's do this. From chapter 3 to chapter 4, 23 years pass. And we're skipping chapter 4. You with me? All right, so Daniel interprets another dream in chapter 4. Go read it. It's awesome. It's really good. You'll benefit from it. Now, once chapter 4 hits, at the end of chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar dies. And so this whole process of these, you know, it's pretty stable as long as Nebuchadnezzar's in the picture for all those years. But once Nebuchadnezzar dies, there's this chain of events that begin to happen, and a lot of that is according to his dream that he had in chapter 2 that Daniel revealed to him and told him what it meant. So all that stuff begins to happen in the time of chapter 4. So in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar dies, and he's replaced by a succession of short-lived kings. And over that time period, by 556 at the end... Nabonidus becomes king of Babylon, and he's king for about three years. And then, in uh, around 553, he appoints his son Belshazzar as his co-regent, who's also overseen this, this whole thing of, in ruling over Babylon. Now, during this time, you have to remember... There's not a whole lot going on, and and there's beginning to be this time period of significant amount of time that's going to pass. And during this time period, Daniel receives the vision that we read about in Daniel chapter 7. Okay, so chapter 4 happens, then Daniel receives the vision of Daniel 7 right after chapter 4. Then he receives the vision of what's Daniel chapter 8, and then we come in on chapter 5. 
Does that make sense? That's your chronological order of things, but we read it Daniel's 4, 5, 6, and 7. And there's a reason why, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But in this, from chapters 4 to 5, another 23 years pass from chapters 4 to 5. And we miss this. And this is so important because we just think like, oh, Daniel does this, and then he does this, and then he does this, and it's so important. But Daniel lives to be 80-something years old, and there's only, like, what, nine chapters of Daniel? Twelve? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look. But there's a lot of chapters of Daniel, but there's not 83 chapters of Daniel, you know, 80-something chapters of Daniel. He lives 80-something years, and we get, like, just a few chapters. And you think, like, what is going on in between those chapters? What's going on in Daniel's life? What's happening? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. So understand this, from chapters 3 to 4, 23 years pass, and then from chapters 4 to 5, another 23 years pass. So I've just given you the time frame. And then we pick up in chapter 5, which is where we're reading today, and uh, Belshazzar is king of Babylon, and he's holding this great feast, and they're going to get out all the articles from the temple, and they're going to party with the articles of the temple, and this is where we're reading today. So, Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Let's read this together. It says, Many years later, thanks for being specific, all right? Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Now he wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. They're having a great time. All right? Obviously, Belshazzar has no recollection, no concern, no worry, no mind for God whatsoever in his life. He knows what the articles are, but he's obviously concerned with other gods. And in verse 5, it says, Suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. And the king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright, and his knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. Cut. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that would be pretty freaky. If you saw that, you would, I mean, like, people have been committed for less than that. The experience that these men and these people just had, because everyone sees it, but it says even the king saw it, that they just had, is quite unique. And this is not something that you see again in the Bible. Like this, this thing, is, this is the only time we read about this happening. 
And so you had this very unique experience, this very freaky thing where it's like the human hand writing on the wall. And this is one of those sayings that you hear a lot in our culture. Oh, you know, they should have seen the writing on the wall. And no one really remembers where it comes from. Well, this is the story that it comes from. If you've ever heard that saying, if you're a young person, you've ever heard an old person, it usually comes from pretty relevant things. So, you know, don't write it off too fast. But the writing on the wall is something that you should obviously know. And the, the thing is, is Belshazzar sees the writing on the wall, but he doesn't know what the writing says, and he doesn't know why the writing is on the wall. And he's freaking out, and everyone else is freaking out. And he goes pale. He has no idea what to do. So point number one this morning that I want you to take note of is that God can quickly be forgotten. <clears throat> now, this is really important because... Not only can God be forgotten, but everything that goes along with God can be forgotten before we really understand or even realize what's going on. And and so when you look at this story, you think, well, how could Belshazzar be in this situation? Why in the world would he bring out the articles of the temple? Why would he do this? Why would he disrespect? Why would he be worshiping other idols whenever Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel have proven themselves in chapters 1 and 2 and 3 and now 4. And everyone remembers the fiery furnace and how God saved them. And there was another one in the fire with them who looked like the son of a God. How can he do this after seeing that stuff right there? And the truth is, is that God can quickly be forgotten about. And so, now that's Babylon. (coughs) Let's talk about us. And you say, okay, how can we be in the situation that we're in? How can we be in political and racial turmoil? How can we be in this whole... How all of a sudden overnight can we just like... Can it be brought up and completely questioned as to what is a man? What is a woman? Where did that come from? And the truth is, is that God as God is slowly forgotten about, and his laws, and his blessings, and his warnings, and his punishments, and everything that he's done, everything that he's done in someone's life, as all that stuff is forgotten about, all the other stuff slowly moves in, and then one day, eventually, we are at the point where Belshazzar is in his palace, and he's using the articles of the temple, disrespecting the Lord to the utmost by worshiping his idols while he's using the articles meant to worship God. And then we say, well, how can we get to where we are? Well, it's because God has slowly been forgotten. And we look at other people like, how could you do this? How could you say this? How could you believe this? And the truth is, is that it happens a lot faster than we think. And I don't think as, as Christians, as Americans, I don't think we really realized how far away we were from God all along until the past five years. I think it's kind of slapped us all in the face. I think politically, culturally, morally, ethnically, it has just rattled our teeth because we finally realized we're in this situation where basically God's been forgotten. And we have a generation of people who have no clue who God is, what his word really says, what his promises really mean, what his warnings really entail. And they have had no one in their lives exemplify 
Christ and what that means as well. And so God can quickly be forgotten about. And it's very easy to happen. And you have to understand, when you look at Scripture, this is not abnormal. So so the situation that we're in today, this is sad, but it also should be somewhat comforting in a way to know that there's hope of restoration coming in this. But when you look at Scripture as a whole, from Genesis all the way through to Jesus, that there's been this constant cycle of this process that takes place. And I had a professor in seminary that talked about this. He said, when you look at Genesis, you know, God calls Abraham, and Abraham follows God. But then the process, once the initial calling starts, then you have this process of, okay, you have someone who's called, they answer God's call, they follow, they serve him, people forget about God, they sin against God, God punishes them, people repent, they turn back to God and follow him, and then the cycle starts all over again. And you can see this from Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. All throughout the wilderness for 40 years, it was a constant cycle. And you say, you do this, we do this. We read Scripture and we say, how could the people of Israel who saw the ten plagues who saw the death of the firstborn, who walked through the Red Sea, ate manna from heaven, quail from heaven, water from the rock, wore shoes for 40 years that never wore out, saw the mountain, saw God descend on the mountain, received the Ten Commandments from God's own hand. How could they turn against God? But the truth is, it's really easy to forget about God. We need to be aware of this. And if you sit here today, and if you as an individual do not purposefully and mindfully seek God's face through prayer and reading of Scripture and fellowship with other believers, you'll forget about Him too. We have to purposefully seek God's face. And you can read this in Genesis. You can read it in Exodus. You can read it through the judges, through the kings, through the prophets, All throughout the nation of Israel, they constantly forgot about God. They constantly sinned against God. God punished. God brought them back. He restored them. And the vicious cycle constantly took place. We're part of that cycle. If we don't remind ourselves and remind other people who God is, what His Word says, what He promises, what He blesses, what He punishes... People will forget and they'll have no mind for it. And we're living in a culture today where people have forgotten, much like Belshazzar. And you think, man, how could Belshazzar do, how could, how could he do this? We're not reading the whole chapter this morning. I just want to kind of give you in this before you go home and you read this. Belshazzar has no idea who Daniel is. Daniel's the man. Daniel's the one who's like, spoken and revealed not only what someone dreamed. He told the king what he dreamed. He told the king what the dream meant. He, he did it another time. They, they proved themselves with the fiery furnace. Daniel has been in the thick of this. Daniel is one of the highest authoritative figures in all of Babylon. 
because Nebuchadnezzar has elevated him and rewarded him for what he's done. And Daniel is the most significant spiritual leader in all of Babylon, in this kingdom. And enough time passes that not only has the people in Babylon forgotten about God, they don't even know who Daniel is. Now, how does that make you feel? And there's some of us in here this morning who feels like we kind of feel like we've been forgotten about, like we're not important anymore. And I just want you to know, Daniel's life was not all excitement. It was not all this like great, this amazing limelight, he's this leader in the kingdom. No, leadership transition, time passed, he was forgotten about, and he was stuck away in a little hole somewhere. No one even knew what he, who he was or what he did except for Belshazzar's dear mother, who was old enough to remember what Daniel had done and what he, how he had served and how amazing he was. And she sung his praises before Belshazzar. And so this morning, I want you to understand that if we're not careful, God can quickly be forgotten about. And if you don't think for one second, even in the process of raising your children and in the influencing of your grandchildren in your life, if you miss the opportunity for any given moment, the world and the things of the world are pawing at your children to get their attention and their time and their mind and their effort and everything that they are to be devoted to it rather than to God. And our young people will be more quick to forget about God because they haven't had years of it being poured into them yet. You with me today? God's super easy to forget about. 23 years, a lot can happen. And we need to be aware of that. Point number two. This morning you need to be patient if you're riding the bench. And being a godly man or a godly woman doesn't always come with great rewards and recognition and riches and etc. And most of the time, and we really need to be reminded of this on a daily basis, and this is so true, serving God is mostly done in the trenches. You with me? It's, done in, it's not done on horseback. You're not on this great steed. You're not riding through the field in glory with everyone seeing your face and recognizing what you're doing. Serving God happens mostly in the trenches. The ordinary, everyday, boring, ho-hum aspects of life, that's when serving God mostly takes place. And when you look at the book of Daniel, we lose that. Because we see these stories in chapters 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. Now we're in 5. And it's all these great things that Daniel's doing. But we forget a lot of times that 60-something years have passed. There's been so much time passed between these chapters. Daniel is an old man by now. Okay, when we read chapter 5, it doesn't say, now that Daniel's old, it just says, years have passed. But he's an old man. 60-something years has passed. And it's like, what's Daniel doing during this time? And it's really important to realize that Daniel wasn't always right beside the king. Daniel wasn't always paired up with the nobles. He wasn't always arguing with the other leaders in Babylon, and they weren't always trying to trap him and make him look like a fool and get rid of him. Daniel spent the majority of his time in Babylon somewhere in a back room. And you need to understand this morning what he was doing in that back room. Daniel was not sitting back there pouting, well, God, if you're not going to give me some kind of cool job, 
If you're not going to let me be important, if you're not going to let me be at the king's right hand man, I'm just going to sit here like a little pickle and be sour. I'm not doing anything. And if this doesn't seem significant to me and if other people doesn't take notice of it, I'm not doing anything. And I, I want to share this with you today because we talk about this a whole lot. And if you're young this morning, I want your ears to perk up. If you consider yourself young, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you think you're young, perk your ears up this morning and listen to this. I've had so many conversations with teenagers over the year in youth ministry about kids who want their life to mean something. They want what they do to matter. And because of that strong desire, and that's, this, is, this is a good desire to have, okay? Right? If you're older, like, that's good. Like, you want your life to mean something. Because, you know, when you start getting my age and older, you start thinking, has my life meant anything? Have I done anything of significance? You start to question that. And so wanting your life to mean something is a good thing, Right? Okay, but here's, here's the downfall on it. So many young people want their life to mean something, and they want to do something significant. They want to do something that matters, that's important, that looks, that to the best of their knowledge is important and is great, which is a great desire to have. But because of that desire, there's so many things that present themselves to younger people that they have the opportunity to do, but they pass because it doesn't seem significant. It doesn't seem like it's important. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. And they want to do something more important, which in our minds sounds great, right? I mean, it makes sense mentally, cognitively, it makes sense to say, I'm not going to waste my time doing something insignificant because I want to use my time to do something significant. That makes sense, right? But what happens is, is that most young people today, this is just kind of what I've noticed has happened, pass up all these opportunities to do things, and because they pass up all the opportunities, they're never given the opportunity to do something great because they've passed up all these other things, and they've never really been able to prove themselves in any way to be given the chance to do something significant over here. And that is something that a lot of older people see. They talk about it, especially in the workforce today. So younger people, beware of that. Okay? And that's a worldly perspective. That's also a spiritual perspective. Now let's pick on the old people. You ready? You got your band-aids out? We just lashed the younger ones. Let's lash the older ones. So older people might have this attitude of, well, I used to be able to do this, and I used to have this position, and I used to be important, and people used to listen to what I say, and I used to this or that or that, and now I don't get to do that anymore. And so because I don't get to do this, and I don't get to do that, and I don't get to have influence, and I don't get to feel important, I'm going to sit over here, and I'm going to be sour, and I'm not going to do anything, and I'm just going to complain. Y'all know anybody who does that? There's a reason why everybody's laughing. And young people pass up the opportunity to be able to do great things because they're passing up the opportunity to be faithful in the little things. And older people are still passing up the opportunity to do great things because they're passing up the opportunity to do great things in the little things. That's a little bit of a tongue twister, but you understand what I'm saying? If Daniel would have sit in his room 
for those 23-year gaps and said, I'm not praying, I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not going to be faithful, I'm not going to serve God. And whenever these stupid kings of Babylon start calling on me because they finally realize they're dumber than what they thought they were and they need me again, I'm not going to be here because they don't need me for all this time. And we're just going to pout about it and chew on our big fat bottom lip. We would not have the Bible that we have today that points us to the example that Daniel set that we should be able to learn from and grow from in our personal life. Because the truth is, is that Daniel spent the majority of his life, the majority of his captivity in Babylon, in a back room somewhere, faithfully serving and honoring God, praying to Him, reading His Word, proclaiming His Word. And not only doing that, but also, you don't realize this, but Daniel was also investing in other people that we don't read about. So we read about Daniel and the kings and the nobles and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all these high people who rose to leadership. But you don't read all the other people that Daniel poured in and influenced. And we forget about it and you don't remember this, but there's a reason why three wise men from the east came to visit Jesus when he was born. I don't know if you've ever connected those dots before, but Daniel was the one who told them about the coming of the Messiah, who told them to be looking for the stars in the sky and said, when you see it, you need to go because it's happened. There's a reason why all that's, but you don't read that in the book of Daniel. You don't get that. And you need to understand today that some of you are sitting here and you want to do something significant with your life. Well, guess what? If you're not faithful in the little things, you're not going to be faithful in the big things. And that goes for adults too. And just because you had this great position at one time and you've got to sit on the bench for a little while doesn't mean that you shouldn't be faithful now in this little, little place that you're in because there might be a big place for you to serve later on. But you've got to be faithful in the little things to be entrusted with the greater things. And that's from Jesus. And Daniel, thank God, we have this man named Daniel who is faithful in the little things to make sure when the time is right and God calls on him again that he's going to be faithful and ready to serve when the limelight is shining on him and he's back in front of the king and he's back in front of the nobles and he's the one delivering the message of the Lord. And thank God he was ready to do it when God called on him and the time was right. Because for 23 years he could have sulked. And for 23 years, he could have pouted, and he could have made excuses, and he could have been bitter, and he could have been mad, and he could have been jealous like all the other people were of him. But it's so funny how there were so few times that Daniel steps up to the plate, and he gets all this recognition, and it's like in 20-year gaps that this happened, and everybody's so mad about it. And you, you read the book of Daniel, and all these nobles, and everybody who's around they're so jealous of him because he doesn't even care about it. He doesn't even care. So this morning, if you're on the bench, and you could be new to the team, you could just be young. That was, that was always painful. It was always so painful in school when you finally made one of the, team, one of the sports teams for the school and you were in middle school, you were new on the team, and you just had to wait your turn. And you thought you were good enough, and you felt like you could play, and you felt like you could do it, but you just had to sit there, and you just had to ride the bench. And there were people who were two and three years older than you who were out there. It might have been terrible at it. But because they were older, they got first opportunity, first dibs. 
And there's some of you sitting in here this morning, and you're just on the bench because you're young. You may not have a whole lot of experience. And you're, you're looking, it's like, man, I could do something significant. Be patient. Be patient. Be faithful. Serve in the little spots, serve in the little times. And there's some of you this morning who are some like seasoned veterans and you've had like these important roles and you, you've done these great things in the name of Jesus. And right now you feel like you've kind of been benched because maybe you're a little slower than you used to be here. You're not as down, you know, whatever. Maybe you're a little out of date because we're getting older. But for whatever reason, if you're on the bench, be patient, serve faithfully in the time you're in, encourage other people. There's something to be said about the one who sits on the bench and encourages. I've coached. I've coached football. I've coached baseball in the high school. Like, there's something to be said for the kids who are faithful, who do what they're supposed to do, and they sit on the sideline and they're encouraging their teammates. What do you think happens when the opportunity, when we start subbing people in, who do you think gets to go in first? And if that's the attitude that we have as humans, what do you think the attitude is that God has? If God wants you to be a significant player, if he wants you to do something amazing, important, and super significant in his life, he needs to be able to see you be faithful in the little things behind closed doors when nobody sees. Because how many people have you seen who's had the limelight on them and they excel in the limelight? But behind closed doors, when nobody's watching them, they have failed. And it's cost them their ministries. It's torn churches apart. It's ruined people's relationships with God. God needs to know that we're going to be faithful in little things behind closed doors when nobody's watching. Because he knows if you're not, it's not going to transition. But thank God for Daniel. He was that man. And he did transition. And he was patient. And during those 23 years... He did not fuss. He did not complain. And it was during those 23 years that probably the most significant things did happen. You know that? He wasn't in front of the king. He wasn't in front of the nobles. But between chapters 4 and chapter 5, for those 23 years, that's when Daniel received his vision that we read about in chapter 7. And the visions that we read about in chapter 8. And because God knew that Daniel was faithful and Daniel was praying, God was showing him things that was not only like building this amazing relationship between Daniel and God, where there was just like this reciprocating thing, like Daniel was offering up prayers, God is bringing about visions. Daniel's offering up words, God is giving him back. He's giving as much as Daniel's giving, if not more. And because of Daniel's faithfulness, even though it doesn't seem significant, none of the kings, none of the nobles, nobody had any idea that Daniel had received these visions that God was doing just as much work behind the scenes as he was when Daniel was doing all this stuff in front of the kings. But we have chapter 7 and 8 because of what Daniel was doing when no one was watching. Because of the faithfulness when no one was watching. And so let me share this with you this morning. And we talk about this all the time. I talk with other pastors about this all the time. You would think that a pastor standing up on Sunday morning delivering a message would be the most important thing that he does because it's what everyone sees. But it's not. 
you're going to go home and in a week or two you're going to forget about this message. You might remember something from it, but you're going to forget most of it. And then it's just going to disappear. But it's the little things that the pastor does, it's the little personal things that the pastor does are the things that stick for decades, for generations that people remember. And for you as an individual, you're going to think the things that people watch you do are the most significant things in your life. But you'll find out the older you get, it's the things that you do when no one's watching that will be the most significant things that are taking place in your life. How good of a husband you are when the rest of the world is not watching, or a wife, or a father, or a mother, or an employee, or a boss, or just doing what's right when no one's watching. Point number three. God will prepare you if you let him. Because the whole thing is, is we all want to do something significant. We all want to be ready when we're put in the game. But the truth is, is we got to be ready. Nothing's worse than putting somebody in before they're ready to go in. You ever heard the saying, it's not your fault, it's the coaches for putting you in. You ever heard that? Sorry, I'm doing a lot of sports analogies this morning. Some people just are not ready. But the truth is, is that you can be ready. You can be ready for anything that God calls you. If God calls you to do it, he will equip you to do it. And he can prepare you. He wants to prepare you for it. And thankfully, Daniel is prepared. Look at verses 13 through 17. It says, so Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king asked him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you, and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning... You will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor, and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, but this has already happened a couple of times. Like Daniel has already been elevated. He's already been given rewards and things, and so is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But this is 23 years later, and it's about to happen again. And Daniel answered the king in verse 17. He said, keep your gifts and give them to someone else, but I will tell you what the writings mean. And Daniel has no desire to get the rewards or the things that this world has to offer. And, and that's, that's a uh, character trait that you need to be very aware of. Because if you're sitting here this morning and you want to do something great because of what doing great things gets you or brings you or rewards you with, you're doing them for the wrong reasons and you might get to do great things, but it's not going to be because the Lord ordains it or gifts you to do it. Daniel's attitude was specifically and solely focused on God. He had no desire for what Babylon had to offer. He simply desired to serve God. And so when he comes in, and when he calls him, Belshazzar has no idea who he is, but he's been told by his mother who Daniel is. He says, are you the man that my mom told me, that mommy told me about? That you, like, basically, you're the coolest guy ever, and you can help me figure out what's going on here, because I'm at my wit's end, and I need you. And Daniel says, keep your gifts, but I'll tell you what it means. And that's another cool thing. 
Because when you think back at the previous chapters and what's going on, well, the first dream in chapter 2 and, and then the other dream in chapter 4 that we, we didn't talk about, Daniel has to seek God in order to get the answer that he's looking for. Right? And he said, give me time, let me pray. Let me go. And then God reveals to him that very night, which is usually a little quicker than God tends to work, but thankfully it was that very night. But he has to seek God in order to get the answer. The cool thing about this is that when Daniel comes in this time, Daniel doesn't have to go seek God because guess what Daniel's been doing for the past 23 years? He's already been seeking God. So when he shows up, and, and I don't know like how this planned out. You know, a lot of times we read scripture and there's just, it doesn't give us a lot of detail. You know, like many years later, instead of 23 or 60 years later, it's like many years later this happened. So when Daniel goes in, it doesn't say Daniel looked at the writing on the wall. It doesn't say he ever saw the writing on the wall. Basically, Daniel comes in and says, keep your gifts, but I'll tell you what the writing on the wall is. And he tells him, he's been praying God has been speaking to him. God has been revealing to him. God has revealed to him these visions of the future of what's going to take place in chapter 7 and 8, which we have that he's finally written about now. God has already been revealing all this stuff. And so when he goes into Belshazzar, he already has the answer. The writing on the wall means this. God has weighed you. God has judged you. And God has decided what to do about it. He didn't even have to go to the Lord in prayer. He already knew because for the past 23 years, he had been praying. God had been revealing. And that's the thing about it is, you know, as a, as a young person, and I want to be careful when I say this, as a young person this morning, and, and you could be young by age or you could just be young in your relationship with God. So you might be 100 years old, but if you're a new Christian... There's a need in your life to really seek and pursue God, to really know Him and to understand Him and have Him reveal things to you. And the older you get, the longer you're saved, the longer you spend with Christ. If you're praying every day, if you're reading God's Word, if you're spending time with other believers, if you are mindfully and purposefully Focusing on God and growing in your relationship with Him, it's amazing at the things that God reveals to you beforehand that you don't go have to seek the answers for, but that comes with time and faithfulness and spiritual maturity. And so if you're an older person this morning and you feel like you're spiritually mature, don't just take that for granted. If something comes up in your life, we should always pray and seek God's face. But it has been my experience through the years that as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, it's amazing that what He does reveal to you before it happens and what He's been preparing you for before you get to that situation and circumstance, it's amazing how God works. God can do that. He can prepare you. And 23 years later, Belshazzar pulls the articles from the temple and he dishonors God and blasphemes him by using those articles in their worship and praise of false idols. And God decides to move. And we talk about the writing on the wall. But you need to understand today, the writing on the wall is it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's few and far between. Those amazing, significant moments to serve God are so 
few and far between when you look at Daniel and you look at how he served God, the things that we read about, it's like 16 years later, 23 years later, 23 years later, and all of a sudden Daniel's an old man and he's still faithfully serving God, but it's all happening behind the scenes where no one's watching it. And so if you want to do something significant for God, you need to understand that those significant things come once, maybe a few times if you're lucky, in a lifetime to do something really big and significant that the rest of the world may recognize. But the true significance of your relationship with God happens when no one else is watching. It's done not because other people can see you and they can pat you on the back or they can reward you for what you're doing. It's done simply because you love Jesus Christ and you just want to know him more because you understand that one day you're going to go to heaven and you're going to spend eternity with him. And you better know the person that you're going to spend eternity with. God can prepare you for that if we want to. But that's how God works. The most significant things that you're going to do in your life are going to be in the ordinary, everyday, mundane, ho-hum parts of your life. And do not let Satan fool you otherwise. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you for this day and for the opportunity to love you and to be called your children. And Lord, as we take this time to just really consider what your word says and how you want us to live and the things that you call us to do. Lord, there's just so much in scripture that calls us to, to not only not let our left hand know what our right hand's doing, not only to just close the door and get in a closet and pray so that no one else watches you because you want us to do it just because we love you, not for recognition. God, it's all about serving you. It's all about living for you because it's what you've called us to do and not what we can get out of it. Father, I pray that you would speak into our hearts today and help us to see and understand that and that we would devote ourselves to worshiping you, to living for you, and to serving you, especially when no one else is watching you. We thank you and we love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.